You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with J.P. McNamara on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103. And good morning on this Tuesday of the midterm. Hope you enjoyed the bank holiday weekend. Hope you enjoyed the jazz if you were jazzing across the weekend. Huge crowds, as I mentioned there, to Simon on breakfast across the city and indeed across the county for the jazz over the weekend. It seems that Cork has received a cash injection of 35 million euros over the last four days of the amount of people that have travelled here. And not only across Ireland, but across Europe as well and beyond for the jazz festival. So good to see uh, that it is a success again this year here for Cork and also I will say hello to everybody in Formoy this morning a huge event in Formoy and this was you might have seen pictures on uh, Facebook over the weekend Kent Street in Formoy it was transformed over the bank holiday weekend they had a number of events on on that particular street and they laid down what looked like artificial grass on the actual street and they decked out the entire street they had a number of performances and events on but they had what it looks like a roof of umbrellas covering the street. It looked fantastic and well done to everybody in Formoy for what was done there at the weekend on Kent Street in Formoy. Maybe you were there and enjoyed the facilities over the weekend uh, in Formoy on Kent Street. Well done to all behind that and to LEP and the Scarecrow Festival. Well done again. It's running all this week and if you're driving through uh, LEP and if you're going from uh, Cork to Skibberini you'll come across all the Scarecrows and indeed uh, the various objects they have there in LEP again this year for the Scarecrow Festival well done and uh, the big highlight of the weekend of course we spoke to them last week was Bandon they broke the record for having the most Harry Potters in the one place at the one time 1,088 was recorded in Bandon on Saturday evening beating the old record of 997 so well done to everybody in Bandon beating that record having the most Harry Potters in the one place at the one time so well done to everybody there a good weekend overall and a lot of variety across Cork, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, your lines are open this morning, by the way. If there's something you want to raise, something that happened over the weekend or something you want to highlight on the show, you can call Bernie 1850 333 103 or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. You can email jp at c103.ie or indeed and you can always tweet us this morning at C103 Cork. Ahead on the programme, and we touched on this on the show last week, and this is the issue of urban isolation. Now, we often discuss uh, the issue of rural isolation, and this morning we're going to hear how, even though many people are living in housing estates and are living in busy cities or large towns, and there's a lot of people surrounding them and walking by every day, uh, people are lonely. You might be surrounded by thousands of people, uh, but you don't know any of them and people are just lonely and what this is leading to is unfortunately people who are living alone and for one reason or another something may happen to them on their own in their home they die in their home but they're left there for a number of days and it can be when there's an alert of someone calling to the home or maybe somebody somewhere or a family member calls back after a week and then they find that loved one lying there and they could have been there for three, four or five days. It's something that we're hearing a lot more of in our cities, in our towns and we're discussing that this morning with Paddy O'Brien who's a campaigner for the elderly and what can be done and we know in many rural areas whereby if someone hasn't come across or come into a post office for example to collect 
like their pension or whatever, then the alarm bells will ring and locals in the community will call to that house. Uh, this isn't happening in bigger towns and indeed in city areas. Discussing that with Paddy O'Brien shortly on the programme. We're also going to discuss and hear how teachers who are teaching in their classrooms are being physically hurt by pupils they are teaching. And if you have purchased an electric car over the last number of years, well, now you're going to be paying more to charge it. You're going to face an increase in the cost of charging your car at the public charge points. And we had this from listeners about two or three years ago when we mentioned that electric cars were going to get more popular and when people were asking where will I charge the actual car and we were mentioning the public charging points which were free at the time and then there was going to be a, a particular charge on them uh, people said well you know what's going to happen here is after a few years when the cars get more popular they will increase the charge and that is what is happening we'll be discussing that on the show and if you have I purchased an electric car. Interesting to know, first of all, how it is going for you. And we have spoken to people before who actually have purchased an electric car and are happy with the particular car. But charging points is a big issue. But how do you feel now about this particular increase in the cost of charging your car that you have bought for all the various reasons that you bought it for? Now you're going to have to pay more for charging in a public area. If you have invested in an electric car, I'd love to hear from you. 1850 and we're going to hear how pest control companies are receiving a lot more call-outs to deal with insects to our homes. One of those insects is called a silverfish. This guy is a tiny little insect, but it's kind of grey or silver in colour and usually appears at the back door or on your walls of your home. So you'll be familiar when you see them. Anyhow, we're discussing that this morning. Also your views on what is coming in, a new law coming in on, well, it's trying to combat the dangers overtaken on cyclists, which we've discussed numerous times on the show. But this particular law will refer to overtaking of a cyclist and you'll be punished then if you're not overtaking the cyclist in the correct manner. You will receive a fine, but also you will receive three penalty points. It's a law that is coming in. Cyclists have been campaigning for this for a number of years. There's been a lot of campaigns over the last year or so about this. But your view is welcome on cyclists and the issue of overtaking. Let us know. 1850-333-103 or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. I'll get back to those comments that are already coming into us this morning on that particular issue. And much more to come between now and one. You can call Bernie 1850 333 103 or indeed text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And of course, our regular councillor Joe Heffernan will join us after midday. You can email us across the morning as well, jp at c103.ie. Tuesday morning, good morning to you. Lines open. Bernie takes your comments this morning, 1850-333-103. And something uh, that's making the papers first on the front page of the examiner this morning, and Own English is writing about this, and there's pictures uh, showing a number of people taking drugs and what looks like being sold drugs on the city streets in broad daylight for everybody to see. But I know you don't really need us to tell you that. If you go and walk across any city in Ireland, I think these days you will be evidence is in front of you uh, to see the amount of people who are you know from walking around they look like they're on drugs you can see people dealing drugs and you can see those who have taken drugs it's quite evident unfortunately at the moment across our city streets and indeed 
and then only our cities you'll say also some of our towns but now business leaders in Cork are calling uh, for more boots on the grounds uh, following a surge in complaints about open drug dealing in the streets and also addicts shooting up in public especially when on a weekend now I didn't see it this weekend uh, but you would think it would be more evident this weekend I didn't come across it but you do see it on most weekends if you're walking around the city minding your own business doing your own thing you will come across and see people who are obviously enough on drugs they're off their head on it and then you will see people who are shooting up or just after shooting up and discarding of needles it's quite evident in some parts of the city maybe not in the main thoroughfares but on side streets all that when you take a shortcut you will see it unfortunately now the business people want something to be done they want to crack down on this because the worrying thing here is the amount of drugs that are coming into Cork and seemingly Cork now is facing the perfect storm with the arrival of crack cocaine on our streets and another story then that I saw over the weekend in the Times Ireland edition is when we think about people who are taking drugs from a professional point of view we always think oh it's going to be the the Dublin banker is always considered someone who may be snorting cocaine well that ain't the case anymore. It seems now the average consumer is a farmer and the levels of drugs in cities, while it's still there, it's becoming a problem now in more rural areas whereby it was largely confined to large towns and cities. Cocaine is being used in even the smallest village in rural Ireland and it seems that rural villages are where the targets are now for cocaine sales and that's where it's growing and more serious drugs now are hitting our city streets. So it's a, the picture are in the examiner this morning but also that report on how the drugs culture has left the cities and is moving to rural areas uh, read that over the weekend on the Times Ireland edition so it just shows uh, while we, we mention drugs people always think oh that's only in the, in the big cities and it's only in certain places unfortunately it's not it is moving to more rural and rural areas as time moves on and the more serious drugs if you want to call it that are, are hitting our city streets also we spoke a number of months ago and people always refer to the TV licence and how the money is used for the TV licence and how uh, we always hear that RTE is strapped for cash and they're cutting back on various things and looking at various ways to cut things back. Well, this morning in the Irish Independence it's revealed that uh, the company RTE are planning to spend 350000 on upmarket hotel accommodation to be used by celebrities over the next two years for those they are booking into their top TV shows. Now, do they have to do this? Is this something the public want to watch? Big celebrities coming to Ireland appearing on their big chat shows or do you feel the public want to watch different items that they can watch those big celebs on the BBC or the ITVs that are, are, are sent in to us here via satellite into Ireland or on the cable or do you think we would rather see those big celebs interviewed by Irish presenters anyhow that's the cost uh, for a year or for the next two years from RTE to spend on those big celebs coming uh, to Dublin mainly and staying so they can actually go on their particular shows do you feel it's a waste of money would you rather see the money go to maybe invest in those primetime investigate programmes that people always feel that is where they're getting the most value uh, from their TV licence and speaking of cash moving to a cashless society well it's what a lot of the banks want but consumers and consumer groups are saying it will bring those who go along and use their particular card they'll be disadvantaged in a few years time because even though we are all trying to go to a cashless society having access to cash to pay for goods and services is quite good because the fear is if we all move to cashless then it benefits only the banks because they in time 
could increase the cost of using your debit card or credit card. It could increase the cost every time you tap. Some banks actually will charge you 10 cents or 20 cents for every time you tap at a particular outlet, while others will actually make sure that you're using your card and will reimburse you. They can actually give you money back. But anyhow, that could change in years to come. While everybody wants to go to a cashless society, consumer groups are taking a look at this and they feel that no, we should keep cash because what will happen is the banks will then have a, have a monopoly and will be charging us for using our cards. And do you agree? I mean, would you prefer if you're in a coffee shop or in a supermarket to hand over cash rather than getting out the debit cards and either tapping it or putting it into the machine and typing in your PIN number? What do you feel is better? Would you Do you rather using cash or do you rather using your particular debit card? Uh, your view on that is welcome. I know a lot of people do still prefer using cash uh, than debit card, but what's your view? What's your preference? Cash or card? Let us know on text or WhatsApp to 0862103103. And I mentioned there about the new law, which is to combat dangerous dr- driving Uh, in this country and this basically is the dangerous overtaking of cyclists it's supposed to come into effect next month and dangerous overtaking in general is already an offence of course and that carries an 80 euro fine and three penalty points but the new regulation is just specifically for cyclists and it's expected it could be carrying a higher fine than 80 euro anyhow President of the Road Haulers Association Verona Murphy says educating road users on this is more vital Uh, she spoke to us earlier key to preventing deaths on our roads is education and I think that has to happen from a very young age. We have to instill respect between us as road users. Do you agree with her? Do we need to educate people more on how they actually drive rather than issuing fines on this? The new law due to come in next month and there will be penalty points and a higher fine of 80 euros. The Willie England Meyer says who though is going to police this new law it's a waste of time while Tom in uh, Balangiri says I don't know about this law Uh, it needs policing but when we can't get people to police at the moment on our city and town streets across Cork well how are the Gardaí going to have time then to look after how people overtake cyclists and how can they measure the overtaking anyhow your viewers are welcome on that we'll touch across that particular story across the morning on the show Uh, you can call us 1850 333 103 or indeed text or WhatsApp 086 2103103 but discussing the issue of urban isolation next Court today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 1850 Now we often talk and discuss rural isolation on the show but there's a lot of people who may be living in bigger towns or cities and it's a new phase called urban isolation whereby you think if you're living in a housing estate with thousands around you, you would be far from isolated. But unfortunately, it seems that, that is the way it is. And this is following me on from a number of cases of late of people unfortunately found dead in their homes and they've been lying there for a number of days or even weeks. Anyhow, Paddy O'Brien is a campaigner for the elderly and he joins us on this this morning. Good morning to you, Paddy. Good morning, John Paul. And thanks for joining us. Paddy, we, we have discussed on this show a lot over the years about rural isolation, but over time we're hearing more and more of people who are living in a housing estate, might have been there for 40, 50 years, and obviously enough over time things change, people move away, people pass on, and they now don't know the neighbours that they used to know, and you've new people moving into the area. And with family away, we are having a situation, we're hearing this from people who are walking down busy streets but even though there's thousands living around them and walking around them, they're lonely. 
that is 100% correct, and I agree with you. Uh, that is the reality of the, the, the situation. Uh, one gentleman from the plane area for several months, and uh, far away in massive buildings, another man was found. I think that um, to, to avoid a repetition, we, we can't, uh, well, I'm not going to point the finger of, at anyone at a blaming game. We're in a very serious situation that such, such tragedies would occur in a, in a, in a city like Cork. It, it shouldn't happen anywhere, and you're you're correct when you say that um, surrounded by hundreds and hundreds, hundreds of people. I remember some time ago in the town of Wexford, Wexford, the same thing happened. A man was there almost for five months, and what it, what it teaches us all is this: to avoid a repetition and not a reoccurrence of the awful situation, is that we must all be more vigilant. We all must be more active. We all get. We must all get to know the elderly in our area, not be embarrassed to knock on the door. Uh, three words or four words. Are you all right? Three words. Are you all, are you all right? You see, what is happening in the community, what's happening in Cork throughout the country is that people are assuming uh, we must forget that word that must be banished from our, from our, from our minds. Um, John is assuming that Mary is doing. Mary is assuming that John is doing and Mick is doing and so on is doing. Let you do it. And to be up, I mean, I know some people who are very slow to knock on the door of a neighbour and ask them are they all right and say I haven't seen you for a long time. But the thing is, you are better off doing that rather than hearing the desperate, desperate tra- tragedy uh, afterwards. And I feel that um, everybody, everybody has a role to play here. I did make a comment over the weekend that um, the, the Southern Health, well, not Southern Health, the Social Welfare Department, they as well have a major contribution to make here in, avo- in avoiding uh, in other tragedies. What, what's happening is this, that if, um, uh, we'll say we call her Mrs. Murphy. Mrs. Murphy or Mr. Murphy uh, are not drawing their weekly pension. And I checked with the post office, they will wait for, wait for 61 days and they will write to the person in question to know what is the matter. If the person doesn't reply to their correspondence, they automatically cancel their payment. So we have a, a body like the social welfare cancelling payment. And in a lot of cases, the person is dead at home or dead in the hall, writing letters as out of the question. And I'm looking for new legislation. I've called on the government to renew legislation. And that legislation would be as an event of a uh, person that drawing the money, the guards must, must, must be notified. The guards must be notified in that area. Uh, I came across a case only within the last uh, four or five weeks where a disc uh, employee at a certain post office in Cork noticed that Mrs. So-and-so wasn't coming to the post office and she took it upon herself as, uh, as a good person to tell the guards. The guards came. Uh, banging at the door, called the neighbour, banged on the door. The lady was inside, 92 years of age, very, very ill, but she survived. And that must happen. I mean, I, I thought it was appalling. But I investigated the situation last week that if, a, a, if anyone, for instance, the people the people who, who died in court, they're already, they have also got letters asking, requesting why they're not drawing their pension. And, I mean, that. I mean, this is 2019. We have to get more modern in, 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 with our systems. And they must notify the guards. And so they look up the area. There's a guard attached to every area, and the, and the guards would take over from that. Now, having said that, I'm not saying call the guards for everything, but in a serious situation where there's a death involved. And other people must be involved with family members. I mean, in Cork, in the country, rather, you have families just been disowned, been abandoned by, the, by their very own sons and daughters, having, you know, just ignoring them completely. Maybe going to call, call them at Christmas, 
big box of chocolates off they go slowing that and that that is it um I made another comment at the weekend, and I've been saying this for years. More people die now in Ireland than they have a broken heart. Not of heart disease. They die of the loneliness. They die of feeling abandoned. They feel being let down. They feel being disowned. By who? Not by the government, not, not by the council, but by their very own sons and daughters. Sons and daughters. They, they, they just feel that their, their parents will go on forever and ever and ever. I'm a regular visit to nursing homes. I would visit at least two nursing homes every day. Now I'm not criticising the people, but I don't see, I don't see the visiting numbers there up every day. Or people rushing out of the place. I find a lot of nursing homes people are put in there, and they're almost forgotten about. I run, I run concerts for the over sixties, and um, they love that. They love, they love the company. But I, I, I'm very observant in relation to who's visiting who, and they're very thin on the ground. The, the relations of the visitors. And this not is, on the cases, Paddy, we've mentioned and that have been in the news of late, but do you feel families have a role to play? And maybe that's why we're hearing of people living in areas, rural or urban, in this situation whereby they are lonely because if, if their friends have passed away or moved on and their family aren't calling, and some of these would have family, uh, that's a big issue. Even if family are living away in different parts of the country, if they make a phone call and if they keep ringing and their parent isn't answering the phone, surely alarm bells should ring and somebody check. somewhere should call to check out their parents. At the end of the day, it's, it's their parents. And you're right, some family, unfortunately, will call once, twice, three times a year and leave their mother or father who's living alone and leave them there for, for three or four or five months. But that, but that, but that, but that, that is it. I mean, I would meet people on the street and you say, it would say to me casually, um, uh, how's mum? Were you up there lately? How's dad? They're asking me how their mother and father is, or the father is, you know? And this is not an issue just arising now. These are not actually, I'd be talking about loneliness and uh, families disowning, disowning their very own for years and years and years and years. But I would have to say this the HSC will have to do more. The HSA can't be handing over a serious situation of very old people who are needed care to volunteers. Volunteers who have no experience, no medical experience whatsoever. All they can do is come. They're great people. They're wonderful people. Come in and make a cup of tea. I'll highlight, tell you one case in particular I'm dealing with currently. Last October, I got a phone call about a lady, 92 years of age. I went to visit her home, which I always would do. Went living in appalling conditions, no heat. The house is in deplorable conditions. No meals and meals, nobody calling to her around the HSC, but they never rang me back. They never rang me back since last August. They never, 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 uh, since last August. They never, they never rang me back. Um, they organise meals and meals. They're not even meals and meals. Um, this lady, this lady was, had been very ill, had been very, very ill, and uh, this lady you now comes every morning about quarter past ten, and she brings food. And the food could be uh, sandwiches. It might be cold potatoes the day before and cold gravy. The lady never eats it. One day she got um, something like you buy inside in Super in town, uh, eight cakes with a plastic cover. That's the food. That's what the HSA are offering. This, and this very morning we went on to the HSA. This very morning. And I said, this lady is going to die unless you give her proper care. And it isn't adequate. It's totally inadequate. Handing that serious woman who's at home now over just to a, a, a volunteer. I'm not casting any aspersions whatsoever on the work of the home. They're wonderful people. But I just paint the picture for you. A 92 year old woman 
A lady calls every morning to her, stays in the house for about 15 minutes, she's gone. They don't, she doesn't see anyone except a very good neighbour, and only for the neighbours, only for the neighbours, that woman will be dead. Uh, and at the time, who brings in her food? The next-door neighbour. At night time, is she all right? I just said this gentleman this morning at the health board, we must provide adequate care. Adequate care to me is this. More calls. The public health board has to call. We want home. The food isn't the proper food for nourishing food. The, the, the lady, has, the lady, the recipient of this offer never eats food. She said she couldn't. I've seen the food myself. I saw this. I saw several times, and that's it. And Paddy, uh, this food is this food from the HSC services. It's not. Unfortunately, it's not true through the HSC services. It was. And I, I can't tell you where. We okay. Are but but but, but but outside of that, if this lady didn't only gets this food, and if she didn't have her good neighbours next door to yeah. her, you're yeah. saying she basically would starve all day. I'm saying that she would be dead only for the neighbour, <clears throat> two neighbours. Had a lady next door, had a mother, her husband's unemployed. She brings in food, she brings a, a lunch door, hot lunch. At even time, hot food, she might bring her stew. It was there last week, she was getting a little bit of potato and cabbage. Only for this lady and her friend, this lady would be dead. She would actually be dead and found dead. And the HSC, HSC, I ran it again this morning, again this morning, and I spoke to he was sort of a personal manager at Health and I said, you have to do something. You, you must do, you must do something. And he was querying my, my situation. Uh, why, why was I, why was I involved? I said, that makes no difference. I says, I'm only, I'm only doing this work 60 years. And I said, the, the HSC must do more than sending a lady in in the morning at 10 past 10 with cold food. She's got at half past 10 and she's not seen again till the following day. The serv- that self, the HSC has to provide a proper care. We're going to have more. We're going to have more of these tragedies. It's probably happening in the country as well. Now, I mustn't be misinterpreted or misunderstood whatsoever. I think the home helps are doing Trojan work, wonderful work for many, 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 many years. But sometimes we have a situation where we need more than home helps. I mean, this is not proper meals and meals. These are not, I, 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 I served and I work with meals and meals every few years and years. We've got decent hot food, nourishing food, uh, uh, to get cold potatoes and a sausage. Um, uh, potatoes the day before with gravy over it. And the ladies never ate it. And that's it. It's just awful, awful, awful. But I come back to the, um, the bigger picture that we all, all neighbours, have a very important role to play to keep an eye and be more observant. If we don't see Mrs. Murphy or Mr. Murphy, you don't see them in mass, you don't see them at the post office. I repeat what I said at the very beginning. Um, be more vigilant, basically, of those living around you. Oh, Paddy's just gone there, but to be more vigilant of those living around you. Uh, I know that he mentioned the HSC there and the HSC workers um, regarding home helps. We get that a lot on the show. We get a lot of queries about home health. The home health workers will come back to us and they'll basically say that that's the hours they are given. They're given so many hours from the HSC and even the home health workers that we get onto us are frustrated that they have to call to a certain place and be gone by a certain time and then they might have to travel another 10, 15 miles to get to that particular location. Uh, so uh, if we can get Paddy Bernie back on the line there for just one final question on that particular situation regarding that lady. It's awful to think that in a particular situation like that that we have people in our community 
who are relying on just services to get food and don't have the family there to get food on. Anyhow, I don't think we're able to get Paddy back on the line there, so we'll move on from that. But it's awful to hear that uh, happening in our society today. Anyhow, your calls and comments are welcome on that. A number of people getting in touch with us. First of all, uh, a person here is saying one of my biggest fears is to lay dead for days or weeks smelling and for someone to find me it's self-respect I am lucky to rent from Cara House in Skibbereen where a lovely lady calls every morning with a pleasant word to make sure you're well uh, says that particular texter uh, while Joan saying awful uh, to hear this every so often on your show that again families are ignoring their loved ones where are the families a lot of these people uh, would have been raised well by their parents but when it comes to looking after their parents as they get older uh, these particular families go missing an excuse of living far away doesn't work surely they can ring their parents and call to them every week it's unfair but that's the type of society that we are living in Uh, while John says uh, in my area we are lucky we have great neighbours and great people in the area who uh, look after my parents the bush the one thing that that does happen that I notice is those that were living next to my parents for years have now moved away. They've left the area because they don't know that many people living there and those who were in our estate for 30, 40 years have moved to other areas, other towns and now we're in a situation whereby we visit our parents once a week but their friends and their neighbours are gone and we do worry for the future. Anyhow, uh, some of your calls and comments on that, you can text us 086 103 103 and we'll get back to that across the course of the morning. On the way that we're going to hear uh, how a number of teachers in schools are being physically hurt by pupils. That's next. Excuse the morning. Good morning to you. Bernie takes your calls and comments at 1850-333-103 or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Just a number of comments in on isolation. I'll get to those shortly. But first, I want to mention one from Isha in Carrigline regarding the jazz. She was at the jazz at the weekend and she feels it was a great success this year. And one of the reasons is because of the late night buses. That They were a great help. Lots of people from the suburbs went into the jazz, had a few drinks and were able to get a bus back home. So that's why it was busier this year than other years. And yes, there was a bus service running uh, from the suburbs. And when I mean suburbs, there was buses going uh, probably as far as Carrick Line to Middleton from the city centre at 1am, 2am and 3am. So that certainly did help people if by way you were in the city centre and wanted to get home and you were living in those outer areas of Cork City, it made life easier because instead of uh, trying to get a taxi which taxis were busy on the night as well there was a bus service and people felt they could go in enjoy the jazz have a few drinks and get a bus home and uh, as Ita says in Carrigaline uh, that certainly helped her and others enjoy the jazz and that's what she feels led to the success and the crowds this weekend at the Cork Jazz Festival and earlier we discussed isolation with uh, elderly campaigner Paddy O'Brien and we were discussing uh, urban isolation and we always hear about rural isolation but we discussed urban isolation this morning and how by people living in big towns or cities and they're living in a housing estate and they know uh, those in the housing estate and many people might have passed on or moved away over the years and now these people are basically isolated. There's been a number of cases over the last number of weeks here in Cork where we we, we have had people unfortunately Uh, who've been left uh, dead in their own homes for a few days or over a week. And that is something that Paddy is highlighting that what we've seen in local areas in Cork, in rural areas, whereby if somebody doesn't come in and collect their pension, alarm bells ring and the 
person who owns the post office or whatever will go along and uh, either call to the person's door or, or find a family member or somebody. Uh, that's not happening as much in urban areas. And as many of our callers have said, you might have thousands living around you, but you could be on a street with uh, thousands of people but still feel lonely. And that's what we're getting in this morning from so many people. Frank, first of all, saying isolation is happening more because the post offices are now closing down. The local post office master would know if an elderly person was not in for their pension and there are no local guardi either in a lot of areas, be that in the city or indeed across the county. This, though, all comes down to cuts from central government and this needs to be looked at, says Frank, while Bridie says, and Paddy O'Brien is dead right. She has seen lots of elderly people in hospital over the last number of weeks with no visitors. Elderly people uh, in a particular hospital uh, there for a good few days, good few weeks, but nobody coming in visiting them. Surely uh, somebody has family somewhere nearby that they can visit their loved one in a hospital. Adina says it's so sad to think that families abandon their parents after their parents looked after them for so many years. Uh, listening to Pally this morning, you would wonder how and why people even do this. Kitty says uh, so sad hearing about that 92 year old woman Pally spoke of only for her neighbours. She would be dead. I just felt that was so sad, said Kitty. Uh, the services we have in this country can only do so much as well though and I think family and close friends have to step up in times like this but especially family. Where are her family? Unfortunately Paddy's line went down so uh, it was a question I was going to ask him but his, his line went and we weren't able to get him back on the line but yeah it is sad about that poor uh, woman who was, as Paddy was saying, was receiving food uh, from the Home Help Network but the food wasn't up to standard and only for her neighbours who were cooking her a warm meal she would be left starved basically and Paddy said that that woman more or less that woman would be dead only for her neighbours next door uh, but the question is you know, where is her family and Niall says I know friends of mine who only visit their parents once every three months they only live an hour away from their home place but only visit for a day every three months. Why or why can they not make more of an effort? I'm living an hour and a half from my home place but I go home every week. I try to spend a full day at home if I can and then return to where I live which is near my place of work. A lot of my family do this and we all go home every now and again. But to think that people have parents whereby they'll go home for a few hours every three months and then not visit them again, especially elderly parents. That is the type of society we are becoming and that is why so many people are feeling isolated in this country. Surely families need to look after their parents. No wonder some families can have big cars and have a great lifestyle out and about. A lot of them aren't at home and aren't looking after their parents, feels Niall, on text to 0862103103. On the issue of cycling and the new law, which is due to come in next month to combat dangerous overtaking of cyclists, uh, the, uh, of course, an offence already, and you can get three penalty points for this, but the offence, which carries an 80 euro fine, could be increased. And this is due to come into law next month. A lot of reaction on this. First of all, a text are saying, any law for cyclists going through red lights and cycling on footpaths, wearing earphones plugged into their ears and hearing absolutely nothing, says that particular texter. Well, there is a law about uh, cyclists going through red lights, but... 
enforcement is the big thing there. I haven't heard of too many people being fined while breaking red lights on a, a cycling bike, but it, it is a law in place. But again, I haven't uh, seen or heard of too many people uh, being enforced with that particular law on the issue of cycling on footpaths and earphones. I'm not too sure if there is a law for that or not. And says, relating to new cycling overtaking laws, how is this law supposed to work on rural, narrow roads? Uh, good point. And you would wonder how they would be able to get that law passed uh, or not even passed but how that law would actually be enforced in rural areas whereby you have a narrow road and no matter how far you can pass out the bike and if you go uh, to the legislation rules uh, you will be in the ditch uh, so yeah rural narrow roads is going to be an interesting one I think it'll be a lot of common sense when it comes to those who are driving on rural narrow roads and indeed overtaking bikes and on electric cars which we're going to discuss very shortly And this is how if you have purchased an electric car, we'd love to hear from you because now if you charge that particular car in a public pay point, you are going to see an increase in using that particular public charger. Well, Ginny says there's no such thing as free. Someone has to pay. It's not fair that consumers pay for someone else's car mileage. Don't know what they're complaining about. Should I take my electric bike around to their house for free charging? Asks Ginny. Uh, And it's a good point. If Ginny is uh, using her electric bike to get around and she has to charge that herself, then why should someone who has an electric car get allowances? Uh, Your viewers are welcome on that. Discussing that shortly. And the local property tax. The bills are coming in for the local property tax. And Frank has got his and he says the local property tax has arrived and it's gone up. Has there been an increase? Where is the money going? Now, we discussed that at length about nearly two months ago, no, a month ago on the show in September. Uh, when Cork County Council voted to increase the local property tax. It was a motion proposed uh, by the Green Party. Uh, they did increase it and it's gone up by 5%. So if you're living in the Cork County Council areas and like Frank, you are getting your bill in, I presume this morning the bills are arriving for the local property tax, you will see an increase because councillors here in Cork County voted for that particular increase of up to 5%, while in the Cork City Council areas, uh, there is no increase. So they didn't vote it in the city areas and no increase there but if you're living in the Cork County Council areas like Frank you will have seen an increase up 5% is the increase on your local property tax for Cork County where is the money going? Well, I discussed that at length as well in September uh, and <laughs> the good question, where is it going? Uh, because whereby the answers I got was going into certain parks which were in very suburban, uh, suburban areas of Cork City which at that time, the likes of Ballincollig anyhow, were part of Cork County. That's where I was being told the majority, well not the majority, but when I was looking for examples, that's where I was told the money was going while we were inundated with calls from people who said they have no idea where the money is going because they don't simply see the evidence of it. Streetlights not working, broken footpaths in towns, people in rural areas who still have to pay this particular local property tax but they have to sink their own wells to get their own water, have to provide their own sewerage and even people are telling us they have to actually look after their own potholes because the roads are in disrepair in rural areas of this particular county. So where the money is going that's anybody's guess at this stage uh, the evidence really isn't there yes it's there uh, when it comes to parks uh, and public parks and playgrounds uh, but people felt that it would go 
to more than just those particular services and that they would see uh, better infrastructure in their towns, in roads and footpaths and lighting and all of that. And then, of course, the people living in more rural areas who see nothing back for their return. Anyhow, uh, that is the calls we're getting. Frank, one of them this morning, a lot of calls coming in from those who are now receiving their property tax bills and they're now noticing it's gone up. And as I said, we discussed it at length and yeah. It has gone up 5%. You'll see the increase on your local property tax. On the issue of crime, and this is coming from a story that you would have heard Barry uh, read out there on news, and this is how Gardaí are investigating an assault in Glabby Street in the city. And this was on Sunday night, shortly after 10am. A man in his 20s received uh, injuries to his arm. Now, there weren't life-threatening injuries, but still uh, injuries to his arm. And he was taken to CUH for treatment and Gardaí appealing for witnesses who were in that particular area of the city to contact them and this texter here is saying this is getting very serious Cork is fast heading for a crime capital how sad is that while Pat is saying every week now on our news we are hearing of more and more attacks on our city streets why is this are we becoming a crime capital or are we simply do not have enough Gardaí in our city and indeed in our county as Pat uh, well it is getting I mean if, if people will say and I know politicians have come out and said the crime levels aren't gone through the roof but you are right Pat we are hearing more and more attacks on people every week and if, it's, if it isn't something like what I've just read there from Galabi Street it's something else of someone trying to be mugged or being beaten up or being dragged down a street and beaten up. There's been something for the last two or three months every week and every weekend. And it is, it's frightening for people who are out and about, be that in your local town or indeed city, to keep hearing these particular stories. And you, you don't see it. You don't see the evidence that much of people going around beating each other up in front of, uh, on a popular Cork street. But it is happening and it's happening at various times of the evening and indeed in the early hours of the morning. The reason behind it, I'm not too sure. There could be a number of reasons. I mean, we did mention there how drugs are, are freely available now on our streets. And is that one of the reasons that people now will basically do anything to get a fiver for drugs? And we have heard that being said before. And we've we've heard that from those who look after and run the homeless services here in Cork who feel that drugs is a big issue and anybody at this stage because of addiction will do anything for their hit or indeed to get the money to get their particular hit from drugs anyhow uh, thank you for your calls on that regarding crime on our uh, city streets and indeed beyond unfortunately at this stage your views are welcome 1850 333103 or indeed text or whatsapp 0862103103 more calls coming in on uh, various issues I'll get to those across the course of the morning McKeith and coming to Bernie uh, you can always email jp at c103.ie but we will uh, discuss the issue of why if you do charge your electric car in the public uh, charging points or if you are thinking of purchasing an electric car well this will affect you because the charging points it's going to increase not by a huge amount but I think people thought that the advantage of having a low charging point in public areas would remain for the next number of years. But no, it's increasing sooner than we think. Discussing that next. C103 Jobs. A receptionist is wanted for a veterinary practice in North Cork. Experience is preferred. You can send your details to get more information on 0862377018. And a part-time window fitter is required for North Cork. Must have a full clean driving licence. Contact 0222018 for further info. And a care assistant is required at Salan Haven in McCroom. Level 5 in healthcare is required. You can email McCroom Senior Citizens at aircom.net and you'll find these details and more job 
opportunities now. Just go online to c103.ie forward slash job. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Patricia, with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now, we are all more or less told we should be going electric when purchasing our next car. That's cheaper and that it will be good for the environment. But many of our callers said last year, wait until we are charged extra for charging our electric cars at public charging points. And that's exactly what's going to happen. Brian Cook is from the Society of Irish Motor Industry and he joins me this morning. And Brian, good morning to you. Good morning, JP. I'm sure there's no surprise to you that at this stage a charge was going to come down the line and it is going to happen sooner rather than later for those who were good enough and wanted to go electric and don't have the facility to charge their car at home. Yeah, well, I I think uh, it was inevitable at some stage that uh, charging for the charging, if you want to excuse the pressure, was going to come into play. And uh, I suppose there's pros and cons with it. I mean, the obvious negative is is that it's an extra cost uh, to people who have made the choice for electric vehicles, albeit the cost is still significantly less than the cost of both diesel and petrol. Uh, But on the other hand, Without commercialising the charging network, we were never going to see the charging network grow beyond the extent it already was there. So I think in terms of, um, if you're thinking longer term, the actual growth of the charging network, putting enough charge points to get rid of people's range anxiety, uh, is, is key to this project. And I think it was inevitable it was going to come in. And I think in some ways those, that pro outweighs the cons of the additional charge. Yeah, the ESB networks are saying they need to invest and get more charging points across the country and this is one of the reasons for that. But also then we have a situation that people who are living in housing estates or indeed apartments do not have an option to have a particular charging point for themselves in their driveways. Many people feel this is a hidden tax for urban dwellers. Would you agree with that? Well, well, I think it's um, well. I think people who have have the charging at home, they actually do actually have to pay for that. So at the moment, although the charge is less than it will be at at, at charging points, um, so 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 whether you're charging at home or whether you're charging in one of the the new upgraded points, you will actually be paying paying for the electricity. So, but I, I think going back, we we do have to look at the bigger picture here. We would we would have liked to see free free charging for for maybe a couple of more years, but at some stage it was going to have to come in. And I think if we want to see a growth in electric vehicles, there's a number of things that have to happen. And one of them is obviously the industry has to supply the vehicles. The government needs to focus on any supports it has actually, because those vehicles are new technology, are more expensive. Their focus needs to be actually on supporting the purchase of those vehicles. And as I said, the actual running cost of those vehicles is is actually significantly less because the, the VAT rate on electricity is significantly lower. It's it's nine and a half percent lower than it is on on fuel, and there's no duty on electricity that there is significant duty on fuel, and there's no carbon tax uh, element that there has been added to fuel in the recent budget. 
Yeah, so it is cheaper, but overall people on text this morning are still putting it to us that, as you mentioned there, they would have liked a free public charges for the next number of years just to incentivise people to go along and use electric cars. And they still feel if, if someone doesn't have a driveway and we hear so much now of one-off housing being stopped here in Cork and more of us being pushed into towns and villages and living housing estates that you have no option but to go and charge at a public pay point. And even though you're still charged at home, it is cheaper to have it in your driveway. So that, that is now putting people off a bit and they're, they're questioning ab- about the fact will I go electric will there be a charge point there uh, there's there's still a lot up in there there's a long yeah. way to go for, for electric cars and this has just opened up the debate again yeah well no there is a long way to go and the debate needs to stay open JP because I I mean the electric car still isn't the choice for 90, 90% of motorists on the road uh, in, in Ireland as it is uh, it, it will come a stage where more and more motorists will actually uh, w- will actually be the right choice for them so so, so I think it, it isn't the right choice. It does raise a question. But I think if people do their sums and if they're travelling short mileages, if they have a commute, and people who do live in housing estates in near city centres, they're more, more likely to have short commutes. So the electric vehicle proposition is better for them. I think the people who could miss out are people who, who, ha, who are in new housing estates that, you know, that are maybe 30 or 40 miles outside city centres, although most of those do have driveways. Yeah, and, and with the particular public charges, is there a fear if the increase goes up now that we could see an increase again in another few years? Well, I, I think, I mean, there, there is an energy regulator. I wouldn't claim to be an expert mm. in, on, on electricity pricing uh, and a number of factors. I mean, the cost of the actual electricity itself, a lot of which is still fossil fuel, it has to be said at the moment. But the more renewables we can actually get into the in, into the grid, uh, the more efficient, the more cost-effective electricity could be. But we are at the mercy of um, of the ESB and the other electricity and those in terms of pricing electricity. But there is competition in the Irish electricity market today. When I was growing up, there was no competition. So you would hope that competition would encourage the, those suppliers to provide uh, the charging at, at re- a, a very attractive prices. Yeah, I know some people are doing the maths here on text and saying that they, they are still saving money with an electric car, but their fear is that the prices do increase. They might be saving that much compared to a diesel car over the years, but we'll have to wait and see, uh, as you said, if, if that will happen or not. Will we ever see a stage here, though, where we would, could be paying similar to petrol in years to come with an electric car? I mean, I presume petrol stations and diesel stations will change as technology changes with electric cars and we'll see more charging points in these particular stations than than pumps. Could we see that infrastructure happening over the years, the changes in diesel and petrol and then seeing the prices more or less matching? And I mean, this could be 10, 15 years down the line at this rate. Yeah. Well, I think the important thing is we do have an infrastructure and anywhere where electric charging points can be put in place is going to be key to this. So you would you would expect that filling stations, if they want to retain the the, the level of business they do have, is that they, they that instead of some of their pumps, they are actually going to have charging charging facilities. But it, but it, but again, I think it goes back to the key to this is competition. I think if you look at petrol stations at the moment, the actual margins that they make on fuel are tiny. So you would expect that if you know if that model is carried forward, as long as the electricity providers are competitive and are providing electricity at a um, at, at a competitive price, you would, the, the filling station model will, will will continue to provide value to motorists. I think in in, in the context of selling fuel or charging 
um, whatever the case may be. But I, I do think the important thing is, and I did mention briefly the, the energy regulator, it's mm. important if we're going to succeed, the motor industry has a role to play, obviously the consumer has a role to play, but the government has a role to play. And I think it's, it's very important that the regulator has teeth and that people aren't being overcharged for this charging. And yourself there in the industry, are you noticing more people now want to move to electric? What's the general feeling at the moment? Uh, And I I know it's only a small uh, increase in this particular charge, but anything like this can change people's mindset. Yeah, well, I I think what we'd seen this year, we'd seen like almost a threefold increase in electric vehicles, albeit from from, from a very small level. Anecdotally, what we're hearing, obviously, the orders are starting to come in and people are in showrooms now looking at for their their 201 registration uh, at the moment. There certainly has been an increase interest in both electric vehicles and in plug-in electric vehicles and I think I think people are going to come to the table but I think they, again they're going to be slowly we will see a growth in electric vehicles next year but as I said over 90% of the new cars sold next year uh, will be will be will be internal combustion engine cars so 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 it will reach a tipping point at some stage mm. but 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 the levels are still low and as you mentioned, the manufacturers as well, the more that they offer, the more then people are likely to go and switch. But they have to get the right car first, I suppose, and everybody has to be in the same uh, playing fields to ensure that they can switch. Yeah, I, th- I think that's important. I mean, when, when you're going to buy a car, there's a few factors you take, you take into account. You know, obviously, a lot of people like nice cars and they like certain features in the car, but it has to be the right car for you. And, uh, and at the moment, the uh, diesel car, particularly for rural people or for business travels, is still the, is still the right vehicle of choice. Uh, in people who are doing short mileage in in their urban areas as, as as their commute, I think then the electric vehicle is more of a proposition. But as I said, it is new technology, so it is expensive technology. So it's important that those government supports in terms of VRT relief and grants are kept in place as long as possible to encourage this whole project. Yeah, and do you have you driven one or do you drive one yourself, Brian? I have, I have driven electric have. vehicles and I've driven hybrid vehicles, and mm. I have to say the experience—they're absolutely—they're they're great to drive particularly in urban areas particularly at roundabouts and traffic lights when you're stop starting but they are lovely they're a very smooth drive um, and, and, and they're all they're all automatic as well so uh, an automatic car is, is easier to drive than a manual car so the actual experience of driving, a, of, of driving a car whether it's a hybrid car which you will drive some of the time on an electric engine or a fully electric car it, it's actually a very very uh, good uh, driving experience And would you say a safer drive for the fact that you're not using gears and maybe not concentrating as much on changing Changing gears, I mean, would you say that it would have an impact in safety in years to come? Well, I, 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 I hadn't really thought about uh, that because uh, I mean, I mean, people have a responsibility, you know, mm. when, when they're driving. So, if people, if people are concentrating that driving a manual car, driving an automatic car, it should actually be the same. Yeah, so we'll, 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 I suppose we'll wait and see what happens over the next uh, a few years. It's all speculation for a lot of it, but it is interesting to see that uh, the uptake is increasing in some parts and we'll, we'll wait and see that if, if there's going to be more increases with this over the next while when it comes to public charging points. And by the way, when we mention about public charging points, um, there is a fast charge and indeed a slower charge as well. Uh, the ESB are hoping to get more of the uh, fast charging points across the country. Uh, how would this work for many rural areas? I got a, a lot of texts here from people who want to go and 
electric but feel they won't get it in maybe rural areas of, of North Cork and West Cork and maybe the west of Ireland uh, do you think that they need to I know at the moment it seems to be more populated areas are getting these particular yeah. charges but do you yeah. think that they need to concentrate across the country oh, no, rather they, than just uh, picking on certain cities and bigger towns yeah they do need to concentrate across the country I suppose one of the pluses Ireland has in the whole electric vehicle outlook is we're actually a small country yeah. and you know so I mean a long commute in Ireland is, is 150 kilometres but it is important that everyone has the opportunity and I think by by introducing these charges I do think it's important that anyone that is actually bringing in charges for charging that they do look at the bigger picture uh, there are drivers um, outside the major cities who would like to drive an electric vehicle. It may, in some cases, it may be the second car in the family or even the first car. But it is it is hugely important that we see as as a wide extent of charging network as, as as possible. And I think both the electricity suppliers and the state actually have a role to play in here. Uh, we've seen an increase in carbon tax. Uh, in in the budget, some of those funds should be ring fenced to actually, you know, to support charging points in in rural areas, areas which wouldn't wouldn't normally get them. So I do think it's important that everyone has the possibility to benefit from the electric vehicle project. Okay, Brian. Well, good to talk this morning. Thank you for joining us Thank on you. that. Uh, that's the Brian Cook there, uh, joining us from the Society of the Irish Motor Industry on how those who have electric cars will be facing new charges at the public charging points. Your views welcome on that. 1850-3330-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-103-
longer seasons. Um, so we're getting plentiful rainfall, we're getting plentiful sunlight, um, we're getting a lot of vegetation, we're getting a lot of fruit and stuff. Then that's the boom. Um, your sort of primary insects that feed on that, and then the secondary insects which feed on those will boom as well. So yeah. It does seem to be a pattern. All right. And with these particular silverfish I mentioned there, uh, these particular insects, are they harmful to people and can they cause harm to humans or indeed to the building structures? They're they're more of a nuisance pest. It's Mm. more of an annoyance. But they feed on sort of cellulose. They generally feed on plant material, but they will feed on dead skin and that sort of thing and skin cells if they're on the floor. Um, They will do some minor damage to plaster. Um, They will feed on sort of photographs, paintings, and that sort of thing, and other sort of household items, and and the backing of carpets, and all the sort of that sort of thing. So they they can do minor damage, but it's more a fact that they're a nuisance pest, and people just don't like seeing them um, from that point of view. Yeah, and what we always hear with uh, various insects that some of them can lay up to so many eggs every day. I mean, are, are these the same that you could have a number of eggs uh, that, that they will lay and yeah. that will obviously produce more of these? Yeah, yeah. there's, there's, there's different species of silverfish, but um, yeah, some of them can lay up to 60 eggs a day. So they're, they're oh. quite prolific in that point of view. But the silverfish... Um, if we look at its biology, so you've got two different types of sort of reproductive cycle, what we call metamorphosis. So we've got complete metamorphosis, which is like if you're butterflies and flies, where you've got your egg that hatches out into a caterpillar or a maggot or a larvae. Um, that feeds and grows, and then it goes into a chrysalis state, and then you get your beautiful butterfly or a fly. It's quite different from the other stages. With silverfish, the egg hatches, and you literally get a mini-me, a tiny version of the silverfish called a nymph. So they look identical to the adults. They move in the same way. They feed in the same way. But they just grow by molting their skins. So it can take up to a couple of years, depending on the species, for them to get to maturity. But once they do, then, yeah, they can lay up to 60 eggs a day. And these silverfish and other insects like them, I mean, are they native to Ireland or are they just native to this part of the world? Or how did they come here? Um, Most silverfish are definitely native to um, Europe in general. And we've got different species that are found throughout the world. So um, they are, they've, they've, they've always been here um, on these. They are part of our native fauna. So it's just, at the moment, it's one of those things that, that's a surgery. Um, with the introduction of central heating and stuff like that, and better ventilation in houses, you'd have seen declines over the years, and then things boom back and things get um, environmentally adapt. So this is probably what's happening here. Okay, so we do know that they thrive in damp and humid conditions. So I yeah. presume outside the home as well, uh, areas inside like a bathroom or basements, as you mentioned, are an ideal yeah. breeding ground for them and then they'll go elsewhere in the house. So if yeah. people have them in their homes before they have to call out a pest control company like yourselves, yeah. is, is there any tips of getting rid of silverfish and indeed just these small insects like them? Yeah, so anything like, like, like these guys, and you're going to get different things with humidity and damage. You're going to get things like book lice and springtails and wood lice even, um, which are not necessarily insects, but will be attracted in because of that environment. Um, main thing is to deny them food. If you, It's like everything. Any animal, including us, we like a stable environment, don't we? So if we're constantly vacuuming and cleaning, it's making that environment more unstable for them and it's taking away stuff they need. Um, any of your food, keep it stored in containers. 
Um, anybody who's got small children, you're fighting a right battle there because there's always, I've got three little girls and there's always food down the side of sofas and stuff that you don't know about and yeah. lollipops stuck to things that you're not sure of. Um, it's keeping on top of stuff like that, keeping your food as a sitting in containers, um, looking at the ventilation in your house. More modern houses are usually quite well ventilated um, and it could mean that you just need to plug in a dehumidifier for a couple of hours a day just to take that moisture out, especially at this time of year now when it's getting damper and colder and we're going to get condensation in homes because of heating and breathing and all that sort of thing. So we need to look at that. And then um, just looking at the structures yourself, skirting boards, any cracks in walls, make sure everything's properly sealed because it stops them having somewhere to hide in. If we can take away their harborage, their living areas, take away their food, take away the humidity, you're going to take away the pest. Okay, and I've got we mentioned silverfish. I've a lot of people on to us here on text, and they want to ask you about these small, black, skinny, wormy things, as they describe them. They're on our doors and our walls outside. Any idea what they are and where they are coming from and how to get rid of them? I've a number of texts in on those. Are you familiar yeah. with those, Richard? Again, without pictures, I, yeah. I, I I can only speculate, but it is most probably um, going to be millipedes. I would say. Um, and what we're looking at there again, we're looking at the externals. You're going to look at any any leaf litter. I know, and we we had the same thing. It became quite trendy for a while. The sort of wood chip mulch that you put over your flower beds, mm-hmm. um, that gets quite damp and it breaks down quite well, and it's cellulose, and that will attract a lot of these things. So it's looking at your um, basically your landscaping. Keep your um, vegetation cut away from the walls and make sure your flower beds are clean. Leaf litter, because at the time we've got beautiful colours on the leaves, but they're starting to drop and they, again, leaf litter gets nice and moist and it's a good sort of um, medium for insects. So clean out your sort of flower beds, cut back your weeding and stuff like that. So we're seeing a similar thing with earwigs, definitely around my house, earwigs all the time. So it's a similar thing for them. Yeah, and someone is just sent in a picture. You're right there. Um, very long. They're like worms. They're like a skinny version of a worm, the best well, way I can describe lots, it. With lots of tiny legs. Well, on, body. Yeah, on this one, I don't see any legs. It just seems to be like a skinny worm, a black skinny worm with no legs at all on this. And there's about 20 of them on. Uh, this is Jack who swats up in the picture on his particular wall. But there's no actually legs on these guys, yeah, anyhow. I'd say the legs are under them. I presume they are. <laughs> from, yeah, from the photo. Hopefully. Hopefully. Hopefully I, might, I, might, I might be stumped with that one. But yeah, I would, I would say it's some sort of millipede. Okay, and again, the same precautions, I presume, for a lot of these insects to j- just to have yeah. a clean home and like you outlined yeah. for the silverfish, that, that will d- detract exactly. them from going into your house. And a lot of things like these, especially with the millipedes, they don't really want to be inside mm. um, on that one and, and they won't do too well inside. So it's just make sure you've got decent exclusion on the base of your doors, that sort of thing. Get your leaf litter and your vegetation cut back from your house and that should that should pretty much do it. Okay, well, Richard, good to chat and uh, we'll see what happens over the next few months if we will get an increase or not in these type of uh, pests that come into the home. I presume when the the weather gets colder, especially over the Christmas and January period, even though I know temperatures have have dropped as it is, but I presume a lot of these pests just go missing when temperatures get into freezing. Yeah, traditionally they would do. And and that's the thing, as you said, because it's got so mild, we're not really getting the decent frosty patches like we used to. You used to get two or three weeks good hard permafrost and we're not getting that really anymore. But yeah, insects traditionally will do in winter periods. Insect activity drops right down just because the temperatures aren't conducive for them um, on that one. And that's the thing. And, and, and we are starting to see lots more 
strange things and people again phenomena like with the millipedes and stuff like that so anything like that we have a, a website that you can contact send us pictures we can identify them give you advice for you or just ring us in on 1890 and there'll be somebody to talk to you Okay, well, uh, we'll see what happens over the next while with regarding all the various pests we're getting. I suppose, like everything, uh, these insects, they have a, a meaning to be on this particular earth and they are doing yeah. some good. Um, yeah. And they are, like some people would have asked years ago, what are the bees doing? These insects as well are there for a particular reason. Exactly. And, that, and that's the thing. And you're seeing bees have become very, very prevalent at the moment. And there's a lot of work being done with bee conservation, because yeah. they are extremely important to ecosystems. But so are things like wasps and flies. Flies are literally nature's bin men. It's just when they can't, they sort of encroach into, into our um, domain and become a risk to our public health and we need to look at them. But as you said, everything's got its place and it's there for a reason. OK, Richard, good to talk and thanks for joining us. Uh, that My is pleasure. Richard Faulkner there joining us from Rintikil on the silverfish and all those other strange insects that are appearing in people's homes and indeed outside their homes over the last number of weeks. Uh, one of the main reasons there, as he said, is the humid weather and the damp weather we're getting here over the last number of months. So usually uh, temperatures a number of years ago would have been uh, colder anyhow. Maybe we're just in a, a certain situation whereby we are in the uh, high temperatures and indeed damp weather, which is leading to these guys, even though the last few nights hasn't been very high temperature wise anyhow uh, thanks to Richard for joining us on that and thank you to a lot of people who've been in touch with their pictures of various ants and indeed insects on their homes uh, hopefully Richard answers some of your questions there 1850 lines open you can text or whatsapp 86 getting a lot of calls coming in to us from people who unfortunately are isolated after listening to uh, Paddy O'Brien, who spoke to us earlier on the show, we have got him and we have been inundated with people who unfortunately are in a situation like Paddy has described, whereby they are living in housing estates. This can be in a county town or in the city areas and nobody is calling to them. The people that they knew that live nearby have passed on or they're gone and their families uh, just simply aren't calling. And if they do call, they call for a few hours and they might come back to them again after a month. Anyhow, we'll go back to a lot of those uh, calls and comments into us on that after midday and indeed a lot of calls in too on electric cars and charging points. Good afternoon to you on this Tuesday afternoon. A nice Tuesday afternoon. Cloud and sunshine in many parts of the county, but so far dry anyhow. We are expected to, to get some isolated showers across the afternoon your calls and comments are welcome 1850-333-103 or indeed you can text or whatsapp 0862-103-103 you can email jp at c103.ie or indeed you can always tweet this afternoon at c103cork first of all on the issue of isolation and we've got a big response and a lot of calls in from people who are in a situation uh, are being uh, feeling alone and lonely and have family and family not calling to them and also people who just want to help those who are feeling isolated and one person has called into our studios this morning uh, doesn't want his name uh, mentioned uh, but that 92 year old woman that Paddy O'Brien spoke about earlier on the show who was receiving uh, meals on wheels from a particular service but basically needed more than just what she was getting and her neighbours were very good to her and her neighbours were providing her with food, uh, with support and with indeed, apart from help, with company. And as Paddy mentioned, so many people in this country now are dying from lonely hearts. Uh, Paddy before said he was talking about heart disease a lot but now it's lonely hearts and isolation is what people are dying for and broken hearts because they're not seeing their loved ones calling to them and their loved ones are their family, their sons and daughters and I 
unfortunately Paddy's line went down so I didn't get to ask him that particular lady if she had family or not Uh, but one listener has very kindly uh, donated a large amount of money for that particular lady to get her sorted to get her some proper meals and a proper home help service in her home at the moment her good neighbours are looking after her but she needs more than that so we're very thankful to that particular person who took time out to uh, drive to the studio here this morning and donate that particular amount of money which we will make sure goes to Paddy and that goes to that particular person so that that they can actually uh, make use of those funds and provide a service for that particular lady who requires it who requires fresh meals basically who requires food Uh, and that's the big thing I mean she's getting an amount of food that isn't up to standards and it's her neighbours that are doing the rest so she needs food and as Pally says without food she'll die so thank you very much for that particular person and for taking time out to donate uh, that sum of money which we will pass on and make sure it gets used for that particular cause Uh, thank you for that and on the issue of isolation and Mike in Bantry saying I thought that we Ireland was a caring society. Well, I looked after my grandmother and grandfather. I looked after my other grandmother in Middleton, as well as painting and doing the gardening, etc. for them, says Mike. But good point to Mike saying, are we a caring society? Asking the question after we hear so many uh, calls and comments from people this morning. And on that, uh, Jason saying, it's so sad to hear Paddy talk about those who were in isolation and those who were lonely. To think that someone can leave their mother or indeed their father live alone and not visit them and more than likely they know or they should know that their parents be that a mother or father if they're living alone and they're single and unfortunately if one has passed away if they know their parents are struggling for food for bills or even if they're lonely surely they should call to them and make sure they are okay it's their duty as their son or their daughter to do that how can anybody live elsewhere in either the country or county knowing their parent is living alone and not visit them. It's just cruel, says Jason on text to 0862103103. And a lot more calls and comments in regarding isolation, um, including from people who are going to talk to us later in the week, unfortunately can't chat to us today for their own reasons, but they will chat to us later in the week. And these are people who recently are finding themselves lonely because their wife or their husband or their spouse would have passed away in the last number of years. And they are in a situation whereby now the children have left the home, are not calling back to the home and they are feeling isolated and lonely. Anyhow, a lot of those calls have come in to us and, and those people will chat to us over the course of the week, just they cannot today, but we will get back to those calls across the week here on the show. And on something totally different to do with cycling, which we mentioned, and this is the new laws which are coming in for cyclists, uh, well, not for cyclists, for motorists. And basically, uh, the new laws is that they're trying to anyhow combat, uh, combat even the dangerous overtaking of cyclists. The new laws are due to come into effect next month. Now, at the moment, dangerous overtaking in general that's for everybody it does carry an offence and if you're caught in the act uh, overtaking someone in a dangerous way you are fined you receive penalty points and your fines it's around 80 euro that seemingly the, the fine itself would increase for cyclists and the new regulation will be specific to cyclists and as I said that fine will be higher than 80 euro well on that a lot of people have mixed views on this first of all Timothy in Bantry says there was a TV ad on last night about road safety And a man on a bike had no helmet, 
no high-vis vest, no lights on the bike. So why are they talking about the motorists? Surely they should be looking at those cycling rather than talking about the motorists. While another texter here, and this is going back to a text I got regarding rural roads and someone that was using, as they said, a country road with a cyclist on it. How would this new law apply to them? And if you're in a road, as I mentioned, which is a very narrow road, you have to overtake a cyclist. If you go a certain metre, you'll be in the ditch yourself. So usually what should happen is somebody, will, somebody, whether that be the cyclist or the motorist, will have to either stop the cyclist, usually would stop and, and get off the bike and pull in uh, so the car can actually pass if that would happen. doesn't happen all the time. And I was saying in that situation, surely common sense would have to prevail. Anyhow, how could you police? I mean, the f- first of all, when I mentioned this about the new rule this morning, we got a l- number of texts and saying and calls, how are they going to police this? I mean, how can they actually go and police this particular service of dangerous overtaking on a bike? Well, on a country road, you wonder how the hell they're going to police it. But anyway, I just said in that instance, surely common sense would prevail. But a texter says you have just referred to common sense for the motorists passing out the cyclists. What about the two or three abreast cyclist clubs that use our still country road every Sunday morning? If this new rules or these new rules apply here, well, the traffic against the cyclists will have to stay off the road. One way rules, is it? Asked this particular texter. And in fairness, a lot of people are asking the same this morning and this afternoon. Is it a one-way rule? Is it a rule just for cyclists and that motorists are being punished? Or should there be more rules enforced on cyclists as well? As we heard earlier, we got a few texts in from people who want to know if a cyclist breaks a red light, are they fined? They can be fined. But again, enforcement, I don't know or I haven't heard of somebody being fined for cycling through a red light, wherever that be. And uh, still on cycling, a text is saying, uh, when you're discussing the cyclists, well, I won't be giving them any room because they don't give me room. It's highly dangerous how they cycle and these new laws are a farce. What about us car drivers also says Philip in Fermoy. Uh, we have a right to be on the road while the Donald says I feel this is all wrong. If cyclists want the same rules as the motorists on main roadways well then they should pay some type of insurance or indeed tax. Why should the motorists get caught for everything? And Joan saying I recently was walking around the city centre and I saw a number of cycling lanes. Great idea, says Joan. People were using them and you were able to drive, walk in the footpath and the cyclist was on the cycling lane, which is fine. But then the cycling lanes stop and there's chaos. You have bikes trying to edge out onto the traffic. The traffic can't make way because if it does, it will cause chaos themselves for the existing traffic behind them. And then you have areas of the city where there are huge, wide, open footpaths and you have a narrow street. Yet the cyclists will cycle on the narrow street and not on the wide footpath. There is enough room on those some of those footpaths for pedestrians and cyclists, but yet the cyclists will choose the road. Why is that? Surely uh, common sense uh, should be when you see a wide footpath that could take a cyclist and a pedestrian, the cyclist would choose that instead of a narrow street, says Joan. That's what I feel is frustrating, but well done. She goes on the cycle lanes that she spotted in the city over the weekend. So yeah, cycle lanes do work when they are there, but as you mentioned, Joan, they do go missing and that's where problems arise. And uh, maybe cyclists will say... They should not be on footpaths. Maybe a cyclist feels they should be on the road and not on a footpath. Don't know. If you're a cyclist, let me know. If you cycle around your local town, village, or maybe you're one of those cycling clubs that uses the, as a texter said earlier, the country roads every Sunday morning. 
and people on text aren't too happy with you let me know do you uh, feel you by law you, you can I think it's a, you can cycle double breast I think by law but two or three that do advise or three or more that do advise that you actually pull in and let the cars pass uh, texters this morning here and this afternoon are saying that does not happen so maybe you are part of a cycling club uh, have a chat with us let us know uh, why indeed you should take up the road and motorists are saying it's not fair or do you pull in and is there a certain category of cyclists that just don't pull in and they give you all a bad name anyhow let us know call Bernie 1850 333 103 or indeed text or whatsapp 086 on electric cars and the issue of electric cars and the fact now that if you have one already and you charge your electric car at a public charging point you will see an increase in that particular charging point because the price of charging is going to increase uh, not a huge amount but it is going to increase well Donald is saying electric cars there is nothing wrong with them but there is also nothing wrong with a modern clean diesel engine if they kept the prices down it would be way too expensive uh, says Donald to go along and use diesel in the future I presume you mean by the cost of diesel and petrol which is on the increase and on changing cars and listening to you speaking about electric cars a texter here is saying well people should check their car when they get it first of all I checked my spare wheel this morning at 5.30am when I got up and I had a flash so I had no choice but to check my spare wheel and at 5.30am when I checked the spare wheel I found that it didn't fit so the spare wheel provided I'm not too sure if you're driving an electric car or have you just changed to a, a a diesel or petrol car but when you checked your spare wheel after you got the flash you realised the spare wheel did not fit so that's a word of warning for anybody luckily where this person was going it was okay and they were able to sort it out but if you are rushing for work or rushing for a hospital appointment or something and you have a new car and you've never checked the spare wheel and suddenly you go to the boot and take out the wheel and realise this wheel doesn't match my wheel and isn't even fitting and I can't fit the wheel uh, it could cause problems so uh, a note there when we're discussing cars when you get a new car be careful check the spare wheel not like that particular person who at 5.30am this morning realised uh, when they had the flash uh, their spare wheel wasn't going to fit the car uh, but it worked out for them luckily but it might not be uh, so lucky for others anyhow thank you for your text to 0862103103 and on the issue of the local property tax now we've got a lot of calls on this and this was something we discussed at length back in September when county councillors here uh, in Cork County voted to increase the council's property tax rate by 5% it's only in the Cork County Council area City Council didn't increase uh, Cork County Council did by 5% uh, Sandy is saying uh, first of all a lot of people are texting in appalled at this but it was discussed and we did discuss uh, this at length um, so it was something that was mentioned back in September but now people are getting their particular letters in the door saying they owe this amount and now realising they have to pay 25, 30 or 40 euro more on their property tax. So Sandy is saying, well, the house tax needs to increase by over 20% feel Sandy to cover the cost of expert reports that lie on shelves and numerous council junkets. Also, the cost of repairing roads that are damaged by lack or of no drainage to roads of rainwater in most urban cases recently by the lack of workers to clear gullies of leaves and debris while administration offices are full, uh, says Sandy. So she feels that another increase will be on the cars to get all that particular work that should be done and that needs doing while another texter saying, I am not paying uh, the particular rise in this property tax because our roads here in Cork County are appalling. 
And John says, I don't see any return for my property tax, so I don't know why, indeed, I should be paying this particular tax. Uh, why did councillors vote in the first place for this particular increase? Well, they feel that they, they do need more services um, in the county and that an increase in tax will provide those particular services. A lot of people asking who were the councillors that voted for this? Well, the Green Party actually were the ones that proposed the motion and then others followed on. I'll, I'll get the parties that have voted. I know a few people are asking, can you please read the names of the Cork County councillors who voted for the property tax increase? We have one of the largest councils in the county. So if I had to read all the names, we'd be there for a good while of the show just reading out names. Um, I will go through the parties and that will give you a good indication of who then uh, voted what way. But uh, the names are available on Cor- in Cork County Council. If you want to Cork County contact Cork County Council they will have the names and it's also widely available online as well if you have access to online you'll get the names that way but I, I will try and bring you the parties of those who voted for and against that particular increase but people not happy this morning getting their letters uh, from Cork County Council with the increase in property tax your views are welcome on that 1850 333 103 or indeed text or WhatsApp 0862103103 and just going back to electric cars for the moment because it, uh, someone rang Bernie uh, earlier on might have been who we were speaking to Brian asking if you do your driving tests in an electric car are you qualified to drive an ordinary car as well? Well we have checked out uh, with the RSA on this and Basically, as Brian Cook mentioned from the Society of Irish Motorists, that the electric cars, they're automatic. So basically, if you pass your test in an automatic car, then you are limited to driving vehicles in that category with automatic transmission. So if you were going along and sitting your particular driving test in an electric car because they are automatic then your test if you pass it it just applies for automatic cars if you wish to drive a manual car that's with the gears you will be required to sit and pass a further test to remove the restriction from your driving licence so just to note that you can sit it on an electric car but just to be sure uh, electric cars are automatic so then if you do pass it in an electric you're only able to drive an automatic car you'll have to go off and sit another test to prove that you can drive a manual car with the gears okay hopefully that answers that question for you that from the RSA 1850 333 103 or indeed text or WhatsApp 086 shortly Joe Heffernan will be joining us and we're going to continue our discussion on self-esteem and discussing the building blocks of of self-esteem. Joe will join us shortly. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses. Supporting communities. Serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie Lept Scarecrow Festival is currently up and running and it's running until this coming Sunday. You can go and visit Lept to see many scarecrow displays, street entertainment, puppet shows, parades, dancing and lots more fun across the week in Lep. And Kilworth Dramatic Society, they present Tommy Maron's hilarious comedy, Nobody's Talking to Me. It's opening this Wednesday, which shows also on Thursday, Wednesday week, Thursday week and Saturday week. It's a nightly at 8pm in the Kilworth Community Hall. And a gala concert evening will take place with the band of the Garda Shikona in aid of the Almer Society of Ireland. It's going to be held in Selmolto's Church in Kinsale. Tickets are €50 Euros, including early bird pre-concert dinner at the Good Food Circle restaurant of your choice. You can get bookings online at kinsalelionsonline.com and the grand draw for Ballyhay Community Hall will be held in Corbett Court. That's on Friday the 15th of November at 8 o'clock. Tickets are €10 Euros now on sale with great prizes. You're listening Listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Call 
Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Still a lot of comments coming in regarding cyclists and indeed how the new law that is due to come in anyhow next month is going to change the way people will have a think anyhow of changing the way people will be overtaking cyclists. Basically this dangerous overtaking of cyclists new rule will come in next month and it will carry a fine and indeed uh, three penalty points. Of course at the moment there is regulation in of dangerous overtaking in general. This new law is just for cyclists. A lot of commentary in on this. And I have asked cyclists or cycling groups to come on and have a chat with us uh, as a lot of people are questioning the way cyclists and cycling groups act on our roads. So if there is somebody out there uh, from a cycling group or that cycles in general and uh, a lot of the questions coming in this morning from motorists, we are getting people coming back uh, from the cycling side of things. But if there's someone on that would have a chat with us from a cycling group on why they cycle a certain way on a road. Uh, we'd love to ch- chat to you and, and get a cycling perspective or a cyclist perspective on that because we are getting more motorists in touch with us today rather than cyclists. So you can give us a call 1850 333 103 or email jp at c103.ie. But on that, uh, or you can, you can contact us on Facebook if you want to go to Facebook and you can private message us on Facebook at C103 Cork on Facebook. Now, Regarding cyclists, texts are here saying, what's going to happen to the cyclist that goes on the footpaths then? Will they get a fine? This is mentioning Joan earlier, uh, who was walking in the city, was praising the amount of cycle lanes in the city, but felt that on some narrow streets, there was very wide footpaths, but the cyclist chose to cycle on the narrow street and not the wide footpath, which could take a pedestrian and a cyclist. She said it was frustrating as a driver and watching drivers behind cyclists and the driver would only have to go 5 or 10k up a hill. If the cyclist was on the footpath, it wouldn't hold up traffic on those narrow streets. Well, on that, texters and a lot of texters saying if a cyclist does go there, on a footpath will they get a fine because it is not an actual cycling lane and a texter here saying cyclists should be fined for not wearing a helmet and indeed a high-vis jacket just like motorists are fined for not wearing a seatbelt says that particular texter yeah um, good point um, uh, road safety are big on uh, making sure that cyclists do actually wear a helmet when they are out on the roads and staying with the issue of cycling and people at night time I suppose who are out cycling and maybe are not seen first of all Vincent in Newmarket says was there a new law brought in a few years ago that anyone walking without a high-vis jacket or cycling in the dark would get an on-the-spot fine of 80 euro is it not being enforced anyway well on that I was checking that out Vincent and it was spoken about there was a number of senators who did want this law to come in I don't actually know if it was actually passed at any stage in the Shannon or not as yet but I can tell you this year uh, there's a councillor in Mayo who wants people who are pedestrians and cyclists who are out late at night in the dark and who are not wearing high-vis jackets or, or vests and he wants them uh, to be fined and he wants this to be pushed through the the, the, the Doyle Aaron and indeed the Shannon Bush I don't see anything to say that the law is actually in but it was spoken about and again this year in Westport based councillor Brendan Mulroy made the comments at a meeting in Mayo County Council earlier this year so uh, given that the comments are made again I presume even though the senator did bring it to the attention in the challenge it wasn't actually passed by law uh, interesting to see if that will happen or not Vincent but at the moment from what I can see here it's not in law as yet but proposals I'm sure are back on 
following that meeting uh, in Mayo uh, they are bringing that back to the table in Linster House and Theresa in Bantry says we need a new law if a cyclist is cycling without a helmet they should be fined and if a motorist does not have his seatbelt on then he is fined also Uh, Michael is saying it seems to be all about fines for the motorists and nothing for the cyclists cyclists don't obey the rules of the road either and Frank says cyclists are on a public road but Cyclists have no insurance and they have no tax. If they swerve and scratch your car, who is going to pay for the damage? If they have no insurance or tax, asks Frank. And if you're in a busy area and you maybe on a, on a street or a busy roadway and you have to drive on and the cyclist goes down another road, I mean, how do you actually go after the cyclists? You don't have any reg numbers or anything like that. Uh, Frank making the point, who does pay for the damage if a cyclist does actually scratch your car and you simply can't get it back after them anyhow a lot of more calls in on cyclists we'll get back to that particular discussion tomorrow on the show regarding cyclists keep your views coming we'd love to speak to someone who is cycling and for those motorists who were concerned about these new laws how would it work in rural areas with cyclists on country roads cycling three to four abreast let us know if you're part of those cycling clubs and how you handle that situation 1850 or text of WhatsApp 086-2103-103 you might have remembered last week on the show we spoke with Nicole. Nicole is on the housing list and she's on the housing list not for very long but she's trying to find a rented property. Basically the rented property she is in at the moment is going to be sold. Her landlord is very good and has held off the sale of the house for as long as they can but the house is going to be sold and they are looking and trying to find rented property across North Cork. Now one of Nicole's sons has mental health issues and another one of her sons has autism but they both have therapy dogs so that's why some landlords won't accept animals and dogs in a rented home so she's finding it hard because of that so even though there is homes available some landlords won't accept rented homes but she's assured us that the dogs are well trained but the dogs are needed for the health of her two sons so she has four children in all the eldest is 14 and he suffers from anxiety and that's why one of the therapy dogs is needed the second then with autism is aged 11 and then she has a nine year old girl aged 7 and uh, a young boy a nine year old girl sorry aged 9 and a young boy then aged 7 So four children and indeed Nicole looking for a house to rent in the Mallow area if at all possible or a five to ten minute driving distance within Mallow and the children are well settled into school at this stage so she'd rather uh, have them in the Mallow area three bed or a four bed they're not looking for a mansion uh, but more than likely are looking for something soon in the Mala area. Uh, she spoke to us last week uh, about this and if there's anybody that can help us out, uh, get in contact with us and we'll pass on your details uh, to Nicole or we'll pass Nicole's details on to you. But here's Nicole telling her, her situation to us last week. We got let go from our property last year and we were homeless for a couple of months. And um, basically a friend of mine had a two-bedroom house down here and he just said look move in get yourself sorted get the kids sorted because I have my eldest son has anxiety and depression he's 13 and my 11 year old is autistic so it was move in get them sorted with school everything like that but as you can imagine in a two bed it's very tight my Two eldest have therapy dogs that help them. Do you know what? A three bed would be 
amazing. It's just that the um, the property that I'm in has to go up for sale soon. And um, I have to give it to him like Joe, like he's been kind of putting off the sales for months and months because I've applied to over 35 properties at the moment to rent and it's it's because of the two dogs, unfortunately. Joe, I can't rehome them. Do you know what I mean? They are mandatory for their house. Like I said, like Joe, with the fact that the house has to go for sale soon and I could be looking at spending Christmas out again. I can't. Sorry, I just can't do it to my kids. So there's the reality of what's happening in the housing market at the moment here in Cork. If you can help Nicole, if you are able to help her, she's in the HAP scheme, you can get in contact with us here and we'll provide details uh, to you or give you Nicole's details. You can call us 1850 We're going to discuss the issue of self-esteem and building blocks of self-esteem with a regular counsellor on the show, Joe Heffernan. He joins us next. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862103103. And on WhatsApp earlier, I have a person here who wants to know if anybody can fill us in on this. I don't see this on a list of road closures, but um, if you're in the area, you might know if the road from the Anglers West to Tower, is that road closed? If anybody knows that that road is closed or open, let us know. We can pass that on to our person on WhatsApp on 0862103103. Now, we were discussing last week self-esteem and the building blocks to self-esteem with our regular counsellor, Joe Heffernan. Joe, of course, usually joins us on a Tuesday and this is no different. Good Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, Sean Paul. Now, Joe, we'd started last week and we were discussing self-esteem in general and then the security around self-esteem because at the moment, Joe, I'm sure you agree, a lot of people, uh, and this is, this is not only now, but all through the years, but I think we've seen this more so in the last five or six years, people are suffering uh, with their self-esteem. Yes. Um, I, I, I think between social media and, well, maybe especially social media, yeah. Um, one is inclined to compare, which is never a good idea. Um, you know, we only need to be ourselves. But yeah, the uh, the building blocks of self-esteem, everybody wants good self-esteem, but it's good to know, like, what constitutes it. Um, and it's a sense of security, a sense of identity, sense of belonging, a sense of purpose, and a sense of competence. And what we were doing then was taking each... Um, uh, heading, as it were, and asking ourselves a few relevant questions about that uh, pertaining to uh, we, um, uh, when, when we were young. Yeah, and that would have relevanced into what's happening in in life or for an adult today and what would happen to them a number of years ago as well, Joe, wouldn't it? Yes, indeed. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Um, I think people are much more aware now. Uh, you know, I'm thinking of parents, teachers, etc., um, people are much more aware of um, uh, <clears throat> um, not being negative, not being critical, not being, I suppose, hurtful uh, towards young people uh, because there'd be an understanding how the there and then, as it were, does affect the here and now. Some of these things can stay with us for our entire lives. Um, it can be an off-the-cuff uh, critical remark, uh, for example, and it can haunt us, um, you know, uh, from the point of view of that if we were in the identity one, for example, um, did, did, 
did significant other show interest in my opinion. Yeah. If if they were always kind of um uh minimized or um shut down or um ridiculed, um well then we might become very, very introverted people who um didn't want that old feeling of rejection and hurt, so we might decide it was better to not voice any opinion. Which sometimes you can see in group opinions or in, in a group chat situation whereby someone might have said something years ago in a schoolyard and might have been shot down and now if they're out with their friends they won't advise or they won't share their opinion of a certain thing because they feel, well, you know, it happened to me before I won't do it now again in case it happens again. You're 110% correct. That comes up so often um, in my work with, especially with younger people that um, they, they, and I might say to them, but you're doing great here. And, the, you know, talking about this and that. Mm. And the person might say, yeah, I'm grand one to one, but put me in a group and I tend to clam up. And that can go back, Joe, to something from a primary school or a secondary school situation. It can, of course, um, you know, that if somebody, um, you know, felt embarrassed and felt upset by the way that something they said was treated, if it was dismissive, if if it was um, ridiculed, uh, yeah, the lesson might be learned. The, the um, If I keep my mouth shut, well, then uh, no one will um, do that to me. Um and uh, and and then a person becomes quite an introvert and um, and uh, won't express an opinion uh, in situations. And that can go into the next building block as well. It can bring in the belonging situation. Was someone included in a, in a homeschool or a community environment? Indeed, it can. Indeed, it can. Um, you know. Um, we hear an awful lot, especially. When we talk about bullying in schools, very often the boys are um, aggressive and it can be physical with bullying. With girls, it can often be that one is excluded. Um, you know, the the gang um, uh, of uh, the the cool uh, group yeah. are around in a circle, kind of like, and uh, chatting among themselves. And one feels that they are not welcome uh, in the group; that they are excluded. So, yeah, a sense of belonging is so important. And, of course, um, our need for belonging then with young people can lead to bad stuff as well from the point of view that if everyone is smoking cigarettes, well, then so will I. Um, To fit in, I want to belong. If everyone is smoking weed, regardless of um, uh, the, the actual dangers, because I have met people, more than one, who have had psychotic episodes from smoking weed. Um, uh, but I, I kind of, it's nearly, I'll do anything to fit in. I want to be one of the gang. And if that's what the gang are doing, then um, I will, um, I'll do that to join in. But uh, a sense of belonging in in the positive ways, you know, um, uh, you know, where the hobbies that I, and the interests that I had, uh, were they encouraged? Um, did we share interests like in at home in sport or art or reading or such? Um, uh, did we talk at meals about things that we were interested in? And then on the broader front, you know, did I did I feel that I fitted in in the national school? You know, mm. did I did I belong? 
and then as we get on in life to secondary school, maybe college, and then the community, do I feel that I belong? And sometimes we have to make an effort, I suppose, to belong. Um, you know, there, yeah, to get involved so in the community as well, or to be known in the community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That could be tough, Joe, for many. Uh, it is tough. Yeah. It is tough. I, I'd find out, from my own point of view, I wouldn't be a great joiner. Um, you know, I, 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 lo- I love to meet a friend and have a cup of coffee and, and, and that. But um, uh, I, I, I sometimes berate myself that I, I'm not a great joiner. Um, As uh, in getting involved in activities in the community or something? Being involved in A, B and C, yeah, we'll yeah. say, in a local community. And uh, <laughs> I give out to myself fairly <laughs> regularly on that basis. But there you are. That could be time as well, Joe. You need there time for those things. Too. So there's that there side is, of it as well. I mean, I, I can be working a bit late at yeah. night and, um, uh, and most things happen around that time and therefore I can't be in two places. Yeah. Exactly. And when we speak there about belonging, uh, there's also a sense of purpose and that's another one of the building blocks, Joe, here when we deal with self-esteem and we were mentioning about fitting in in the community and in the, the school environment or indeed at home. I suppose one big thing is if those in those areas took an interest in you and realised what you actually wanted out of life or indeed just out of yourself. Yes, and to encourage it. Hmm. Yes. And and to have an attitude of, um, you know, uh, yeah, in in encouragement and um, uh, uh, and and to give support in that. I mean, um, for example, um, our lads uh, when they were going to go to college and study, um, the no, none of them was really interested in the stuff that makes the big bucks, um, like uh, you know the finance world and all that. I mean, w- one of them um, eventually finished up with a doctorate in uh, in history. The other guy did psychology and the other guy um, became an artist and, um, and the eldest fella became quite a creative chef. So, you know, um, we, we allowed them to follow their dream and we encouraged it all the way and I think that's a good thing to do. Um, uh well, they're happy. Than kind of saying, you know, oh, this is what you should do now. This yeah. is where the big money is. I know. Yeah. yeah. Because if they're not happy, they could be earning big bucks. But if they're not happy going to work every day, well, then you'd wonder what's the reason. At least now, Joe, I presume anyhow, they're happy going to work most days. Yeah. And isn't that so important? It's very I mean, important. What does it matter if you are earning all the big bucks, bucks in the world, but you're um, uh, very unhappy in this world? Um, yeah, I, I think, you, you, as we'll say, you can put a price on happiness. Mm. Yeah, True. Yeah. There's a lot of people out there who just dread going to work on a Monday or a, a Tuesday morning, maybe after a bank holiday. And there's other people out there who just simply don't mind that the worst thing for them could be actually commuting to work. <laughs> and that, that's yeah. their extent. Yeah. You know? So yeah. if you're in that particular situation, you're, you're doing well. But then, as you mentioned, you need people to g- give you the confidence to succeed. And that's the purpose point of this. Exactly. Exactly. That... Um, um, you know, that, uh, that one is encouraged and to take the odd risk and to say, yeah, go for it, um, r- rather than, oh, my God, it's a jungle out there and, um, you know, be careful and um, don't, uh, don't say the wrong thing. Uh, let nobody know our business. Do you know that kind of thing? Yeah. You know, to kind of, to, to allow a person to, to be free to be themselves, really. 
and the risks hopefully will will, will pay off in the end. Yeah. I mean, when they're young anyway, you can take the risks. And when you're older, might be uh, might be a bit harder to take certain risks. But when you're younger, I think you you can encourage them depending on what the risk is, of course, as well. But that does bring in uh, for them then a sense of purpose. But competence as well, Joe, would come into this, wouldn't they? And if someone does make a choice, if you do encourage someone then to make that particular choice to do whatever they want to do, that that choice was respected. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That um, that that uh, that one wouldn't say unless now that was uh, clearly uh, yeah, not in their best interest. Yeah. The choice, but um, yeah, to follow your heart, and um, I think the sense of competence really um, comes from the 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 other four being in place, you know, um, and to to give positive feedback uh, when a person does well. I mean, for example, a person uh, doing their junior cert, uh, if they get you know, good praise for doing their best. Well, that's a big um, help with the leaving cert and uh, and etc. Like that. Um, in other words, like to recognise progress and um, and to uh, to point out successes. To always say like, well done when it when the thing is done. And it doesn't have to be earth chattering. It can be something. It can be cutting the hedge and doing a good job of it. And to be able to say, well done, that was, that, 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 that's a good job. Yeah, yeah, and I find as well, Joe, when you do say that to someone, be that in home or indeed in the workplace, when you say that was fantastic, well done, great job there, it does spur that person on and they'll do an even better job the next time, whereby they do something amazing and no one says anything, you'll find they'll slowly lose interest and lose heart. Yes. And and maybe get the attitude of like, what's the point? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Of course yeah. they will. Yeah. 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 And that's only human nature to do that. Yeah. And and the the objective then would be like that. Um, or, or the hope would be that one would become a more of I can person than uh, not really I can't. Um, most things that I did um didn't work out and becoming negative. Whereas as I say, it doesn't have to be earth shattering. Um. But to be able to, uh, as, a, as, as a parent or a person in a responsible position, to be able to give praise and be able to say, well done. And then as an adult, that we're able to say to ourselves, good man, well done there now, that was a good job. And everything we discussed today from the identity to the purpose to the competence to the belonging and indeed the security they may sound like they're not a big deal but they are and they make such a difference and even the last point there by just recognising someone Joe doing that at a young age or at any age will create for that particular person a difference later on in life Absolutely without question or doubt Um, uh, I, I would have spoken down through the years with many an adult that would refer back to um, either um, uh, a home situation where there was never a bit of praise, where it was always criti- criticism, or a school where they were uh, put down, um, um, given the impression that they weren't good enough. And, uh, and, and that whole message then was interjected and became part of the person's personality. Um, I, I'm sure there's no point in me trying because... Um, I, I don't succeed anywhere. And that's an awfully, that's a terrible old place to be, isn't mm, it, really? Oh, it is, yeah. That's the last thing you want. And it does yeah. happen, unfortunately. But hopefully if people, you know, look at these particular building blocks, it will improve on self-esteem. And that is needed, as you said, these days. Joe, thank you for that. And I'm sure we'll continue that again next week on the Most show. Uh, thanks for joining us. Self-esteem there with Joe Heffernan. He's a regular counsellor on the show. And if you want to contact him, he's an accredited counsellor too. You can call him on 029 766 17. Joe back again with us next 
next Tuesday just after 12.30. Katie Tunstall, suddenly I see you at C103. It's my thanks to Bernie Murphy who produced. We're back to you tomorrow from 10 with Cork Today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.